and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. On today's episode, we're sharing tips for working with plush fabrics. Plush makes the coziest quilts, but it can be a challenge to work with, so we hope our tips help. Then we're going back to basics to learn tricks for making triangle squares. Our April issue of American Patchwork and Quilting just came out, and it's getting a lot of buzz because it contains our next quilt-along quilt. So we'll be sharing some important details later in the show for everyone looking to join. And since it's the week of Valentine's Day, we're sharing a cute poem to sewing machines. We also chat with Andy Knowlton of A Bright Corner. It's a conversation you don't want to miss. So let's dive in. Cold weather has us doing our best to keep warm, especially here in the Midwest. While plush fabric is perfect for year-round, we especially love it this season. But it isn't always the easiest to work with. I'm here with Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More, to talk about tips for using plush so that you can have success with your projects. Ah, plush fabric. So I love plush fabric so much during the winter, especially right now because there's still snow on the ground. (laughs) Um, They're just so wonderfully cozy and there's nothing quite like them. Even if the whole quilt isn't plush, adding even just a plush backing to your quilt top adds an extra layer of warmth and comfort. Have you ever made any projects that use plush, Lindsay? I sure have. Um, I've never actually used it in a quilt before, but I have made just all plush blankets and pillow covers for gifts. Everyone always loves how soft they are, so it's a real people pleaser during the holidays. Uh, And I also have to give a special shout out to my cat. He has a few blankets I've made for him from plush and he's obsessed with them. And he likes to rub his face on them when we snuggle at night. It's very cute. Aww, that is so cute. Actually kind of reminds me of my dog because I've made a couple plush blankets for Penny too. Uh, They're her favorite, except sometimes she'll ditch them for like just a plain bath (laughs) towel that I left out. And I'm just like, Really, girl? Really? <laughs> you have a choice of plush and you pick a towel. Yeah, our, our cat likes uh, boxes, like cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, besides those blankets I've made for her, I've also made a couple of throws with plush fabric for Christmas presents and some stuffed animals. I have to admit, though, plush fabric can be tricky, especially the first few times that you're sewing with them. Quite often I hear from quilters that they're scared of plush because they've heard too many horror stories from other quilters. Or just they've had a bad experience and then gave up on it altogether. And that's really sad because the finished projects can be just so amazingly soft. And as we both mentioned, they make really great gifts. So today I'm going to break down just how to sew with plush and some tips to make it just a little bit easier as you learn to work with it. That sounds great. So first, Joanna, why don't you explain exactly what plush is and what you should look for when you buy it? So most modern plush fabric is polyester, and it comes in a variety of piles. If you're not sure what pile is, think of a teddy bear. So the fabric on a teddy bear, sometimes it's furrier or shaggier than others. So the taller the fur, the higher the pile. Consider what project you're planning on making and just how furry you want it to be. Also, some projects lend themselves to plush fabric better than others. 
For piecing, lower pile plush is going to be a little bit easier because it isn't as thick. Make sure that your pattern pieces are also fairly large. Intricate piecing is harder with plush since it can shift around a lot on you as you sew it and the edges also tend to curl. So next comes cutting. I like to keep my space clean, so I really hate the fuzz that plush fabric leaves. <laughs> oh, me too, and it gets everywhere. There are some things you can do that'll help keep down the attack of the fuzzies, <laughs> as I like to call it. Uh, high pile plush sheds a lot more than low pile. I saw this really great demonstration once at a quilt show about how to cut into high pile plush but also minimize the shedding. So basically you wanna cut it from the wrong side with the pile face down on your cutting mat and then use a simple utility knife or a box cutter. Uh, rotary cutters also work for this. Finally, you wanna keep a damp washcloth around. It's really good for wiping down your cutting mat, especially if it has a few scratches in it from past projects. The fuzz can really get stuck in there. So just a nice damp cloth can uh, really help get those out, especially since they can get full of static, which then makes it trickier to pick up. If your pieces are fuzzy um, and it's really getting in your way, try placing them in a dryer with a damp washcloth on low heat for about 10 minutes or so. Lint rollers, hand vax, masking tape, all those little tools that help you clean up as you go, um, they'll be really helpful. And whatever keeps the sewing area manageable, that's what you want to use. Yep, and don't wear your nice clothes for this. This is not the time. Yes, and, <laughs> and no black clothes. <laughs> It'll or show. Like yeah. flannel pajama pants if yes. you like to. Yes. Uh, yeah, be don't take comfy. on this project before you like go out to a nice fancy restaurant. <laughs> Okay, so we've picked our project, we've got our plush fabrics, we've cut the pieces. Next up is sewing. Plush fabric slipping out of place as you try to piece is actually one of the biggest issues we hear about. So Joanna, how would you deal with that? Well, first of all, pin, 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 and then pin more. You probably don't have enough pins, even if you think you do. <laughs> uh, binding clips or wonder clips can also be really helpful for this. You'd be surprised, but being generous with the amount of pins you use will go a long way toward keeping the plush fabrics from shifting around. One trick I picked up a long time ago from a designer is to pin in both directions. So what I mean by that is start by taking the pins and pinning from the direction where the heads are hanging over the outside edge of the fabric. I usually go about one inch apart. It's kind of up to personal preference. Then go through with a second line of pins where the head is on the fabric itself. So basically you'll have a pin, on, pin head on the right, pin head on the left, pin head on the right, pin head on the left. And it really just helps with that shifting to keep them in place. Um, so funny story, the very first plush throw I ever made, I was getting a little frustrated and the pieces just kept slipping and rolling and I wasn't sure what to do. So I took the, the whole project, put it on my bed, stabbed the pins through it into the <laughs> mattress so it couldn't curl on me. Uh. Um, it, it worked. I'm not sure I'd recommend it, though. It probably wasn't really great for my mattress, but you know, got the job done. So just if you're feeling frustrated, I would actually suggest just take a little break and then come back and then maybe pin some more because pins really are your friends with this. Yeah, and just get longer pins because plush is so thick. So if you have shorter pins, they're going to get lost in the fabric and not hold as well. Absolutely. And I, I like my pins for plush a little bit thicker. There are some pins that are thinner that work great for quilting cotton, but I like having a little bit of extra strength. strength. Yes, exactly. Uh, the next part 
pay attention to the fabric's nap. Now this might get a little technical, but it really helps when you're piecing, so bear with me. Basically, if you have the plush fabric and you run your hand up and down the length of it, one direction will feel smooth and make the pile lie flat. The other direction doesn't. So I like to think of like petting a dog or a cat. You're supposed to, you can clearly feel there's a direction their fur is supposed to go and you don't want to like rub up because it's against against the yeah (laughs) grain against the grain um so keep that in mind when you're piecing together you want to make sure that the nap is all running the same way so it's a little bit of planning ahead of time but you'll notice it on the finished quilt if you don't do it because as you're rubbing your luxurious throw that you just piece together and it runs a different direction your hand will feel it it'll feel a little off and you don't want that when you just made this beautiful project Finally, use a walking foot to help feed the thick layers through through evenly without the fabric slipping around. A ballpoint or stretch needle and a larger stitch size, about three to three and a half millimeters, will help keep the seams from puckering. I actually like to up my seam allowance too. A half inch seam allowance instead of a quarter inch is a lot more forgiving if my fabric slips around a little bit on me, despite my best efforts. Last but not least, make sure you're finger pressing and not ironing. Many polyester plush fabrics don't like the heat of an iron. That was such great information, and we know that was a lot to take in. But luckily, we have some great resources in the show notes about sewing with plush fabrics. Yep, I know they were really helpful to me when I was learning how to sew with plush. Um, And again, I know there seems like there's a lot of caveats to sewing with plush, but it really is worth it. And I can attest to the fact that the more you sew with it, the easier it gets, the more you learn its quirks. So don't give up and don't be afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it anymore, at least not most of the time. (laughs) Thanks, Joanna. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social. On today's interview, I'm excited to share my talk with Andy Knowlton of A Bright Corner. Andy has been sewing since a young age and is a talented pattern designer and blogger. She recently became a first-time author of the book Fresh Fat Quarter Quilts, which she'll share more about in the interview. I love following Andy on Instagram, and I'm so inspired by her designs and color choices. She's truly sharing her bright corner of the sewing world with others. We hope you enjoy this interview. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. I'm happy to be here, Lindsay. So why don't you give us a little background about your life as a quilter? So I made my first quilt about 30 years ago, which is crazy to say because I feel like I'm only 25 years old. I mean, I'm not, but um, I do remember when I was maybe seven or eight and my grandma Johnson asked me if I wanted to learn to quilt and I had some of her quilts on my bed. So I said yes, enthusiastically yes. The next time I saw her, she brought me a pre-made doll quilt and handed me a needle and thread and I just looked at her like what is this because I wanted to learn how to piece a quilt and she was wanting to teach me how to hand quilt it I actually cried tears because I was just so disappointed and I remember my mom kind of talking me through that like it's okay and now years later I still don't know how to hand quilt but I did eventually learn how to piece a quilt so it's been a long time I've been quilting a long time So you just had a book come out with Martingale called Fresh Fat Quarter Quilts. So can you talk a little bit about what inspired this book and about your love of fat quarters? Yeah. So I hear a lot. I say this a lot myself and I have 
I hear this from friends and people in quilt shops when I go, they fall in love with a fabric bundle. They see it and they say, oh, I love this fabric. But then the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, but I don't know what to make with it. And I do this myself. So I really wanted a book that would be kind of a resource and that they could then open the book and say, well, I have 12 fat quarters, what can I make with it? So the table of contents is arranged by how many fat quarters each project takes. And it goes from all the way from six fat quarters to 14 fat quarters. So I'm really hoping it will be a reference book of sorts for your library that you can keep referring back to to solve this problem. Let's get that fabric off your shelf and into a quilt where we can enjoy it and love it. And for a long time, I've loved fat quarters because they're so fast to buy. Uh, when my boys were younger, I would take them into quilt shops with me, which uh, we all know the less time little kids spend in quilt shops, the better for everybody. So I learned that I could get in and out of a quilt shop a lot faster by shopping in the fat quarter section. And they're always arranged so beautifully by color and they're pre-cut. You grab them and you hand them your money and you run out the door with your kids in tow and it ends well that way so yeah I'm one of those people that will buy all the fat quarters and then they just sit on my shelf and I'm just waiting for the perfect pattern so I'm I'm excited to see your book and hopefully it will be a great guide of quilts you can make over and over again to just showcase those favorite fabrics yep and I think I'm hoping there's a good variety of um, just a few of them really do shout, I'm a girl quilt, but most of them, you change up the fabrics from more masculine to more feminine, and it'll fit so many different needs. So, Perfect. So let's talk about fabric storage. So do you break your pre-cut bundles up and mix them into your stash, or do you keep them together to use in a project? I used to... I was very loyal and I would keep them together and they would all go into one project. What was left over would then get put into my stash. But you know, lately I've kind of switched it up. Um, I think it was one of the more recent Corey Yoder lines. I can't think of the name of it right now. I did break that up right away. And it's kind of been fun because that one line has now gone in maybe four or five different projects. It's going into one of my English paper piecing projects. It's gone into a scrappy log cabin I'm working on. And it's kind of more fun that way because I can enjoy it more. It's in more projects. So I'm, I'm changing my ways. And how do you organize your scraps? They are organized by color. So I consider a scrap anything less than about 10 inches. Anything bigger than that gets folded on a shelf. The smaller ones, I have bins. I only have space for about five bins up on this shelf. So some of the colors get combined, like yellow and orange are combined. I just don't have as many of those. Pink and purple are combined and they're in a bin. So when it's time, if I need some red scraps, a lot of times I'll pull the whole bin out and just dump it on the floor. And it makes a big mess, but it's a pretty mess. I saw on Instagram, you got out some of your scrap bins and you were like, which color should I make a quilt out of? Yeah. Several of them are overflowing. So my, one of my goals for 2020, and you can hold me to this, is that I need to start working more with my scraps. So I, I have big plans for next year. Um, I can't wait to see what you come up with. So every time I look on Instagram, you are starting a new project. <laughs> so what are your tips for squeezing in some more time to sew throughout the day? I have a problem. <laughs> So uh, tip number one is maybe just don't do any housework. <laughs> no, seriously. I, when I cut a quilt, I cut it all at once. And then I like to stack my blocks so that everything for one block is all together. 
So what, then if I have little gaps in my day, let's say the casserole I know takes 15 minutes to bake, I'll sneak away and I know I can make one, maybe two quilt blocks, get them done, put them on the design wall and go back to dinner. So it's those little things. I'm pretty lucky that I have a dedicated quilting space with a door I can close. It didn't used to be that way. Uh, my first quilting space was a closet and I built a custom very small desk that I could cram into the closet and then I could close the closet doors so the toddler fingers wouldn't mess with the needles and scissors and sharp things. But now I'm pretty lucky I have a quilting space so that helps. Okay, so to end this interview, I want to do a few quick questions about some of your favorite things. So what's your favorite quilt block? Churn dash, definitely. I thought you were going to say stars for sure. <laughs> okay, no, I'm changing my answer. <laughs> I do love stars, but what, like, I, yeah, churn dash, that was the first thing. I do love a good churn, churn dash block. Solids or prints in a quilt? Okay, it used to be prints, but up till about a year ago, I'm changing. It's now solids. I'm loving solids. What's a sewing supply you've just discovered that you love? This one, I okay, it's called a stash and store. And this one surprised me. It's, it's a, a little plastic container. It sits next to your sewing machine, and it has a silicone kind of mesh top, and your tools can stand up in it. It's sold by It's So Emma, but you can find, on, find it on Amazon too. But um, when my, my friend gave me one, and I kind of, my reaction was, okay, thanks. And I set it next to my machine. We were sewing with some friends. I'll tell you, by the end of the night, I was sold. I used it at first just as a courtesy to say thank you, but now I love it. It's by my machine, and I have a hard time, like, if I sew without it, I, I feel like my tools are a mess, so. I love those two. I have the big one and then the mini one, and I just brought an extra one home, and we're using it for our remotes for the TV. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> okay. If my husband decides to actually put the remotes back where I think they should be. <laughs> yeah, that's step two, right? Do you watch or listen to anything while you're sewing? Yeah, I usually am listening to something. Uh, if I have math to do, math and cutting, I need to have just music. Something that I, I need my whole brain when I'm cutting. Um, but uh, if I'm just doing piecing, I love audiobooks. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you online or on social media? Yeah, so my website is abrightcorner.com. And I also have a shop. It's abrightcornershop.com. You can follow me on Instagram at abrightcorner. I'm also on Facebook at abrightcorner. You seeing a theme here? <laughs> I'm abrightcorner. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. Oh, my pleasure. It's been fun chatting with you. I loved my conversation with Andy. I'm constantly in awe by everything she's making. Her designs truly make me happy. We'll link to all of Andy's social media sites, book, and more in the show notes so you can connect with her. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Now Joanna and I are jumping into Back to Basics, a segment where we share tips and tricks about a sewing tool or a technique. Joanna, what are we learning today? Well, I'm excited because today we're taking a look at one of the most popular quilting units, the triangle square, a.k.a. the half square triangle. I'm pretty sure most of us have sewn our fair share of them, but they can be tricky to get right. Usually the two issues that come up is they end up too small or the diagonal seam is at the wrong angle. Here are a few of my favorite tips for sewing triangle squares more accurately. First, make your triangle squares larger than needed and then trim them down to size. 
Sure, you're going to waste a little bit of fabric, and the trimming can be time-consuming and a little annoying, but you'll end up with units that are much more accurate. Most quilters I know, including myself and various staff members and designers, we actually make our triangle squares larger than necessary. I like it for the accuracy, but also because cutting the exact size square for triangle squares means you have to cut in eighth inch increments, which are just not my favorite to cut. I prefer to cut on whole numbers or halves, quarter inches, whatever it takes that's a little bit bigger than an eighth of an inch. If you want to cut oversized squares, simply add an eighth inch to the original cut size of the piece according to your pattern's instructions. Using your preferred assembly method, make the triangle squares. Square each one up by lining it up on a 45 degree angle on your ruler with the seam line and trimming the unit to the designated size. Um, my mom just started quilting and she had to make her first triangle squares recently. Mm. and she called me complaining like how how was she supposed to cut something at three and three eighths of an inch and how ridiculous was that and how does she supposed to get everything so accurate but a lot of patterns don't tell you you can cut larger and trim to size so I think it's something some quilters don't know you can even do right well that's actually one thing we've started adding in quilts and more is if you want to cut them bigger, here's the size to cut them, so you don't have to do the math yourself. Yep, I do it no matter what the pattern says. <laughs> Me too. Sometimes I'll even cut them way big and then, you know, trim them down to size just because I'm like... Just to be safe. Yeah, exactly. And then I have more control over what the finished size will be. Yep. Um, so second, cut off the triangular dog ears on your triangle squares before you join them to the other pieces. If you like to do what we were just talking about, where you make your triangle squares oversize and trim, you've probably already chopped off the dog ears, but... Just in case you didn't and made them exact, be sure to trim those dog ears. It just makes your piecing more precise. Finally, pressing matters. When you press open the attached triangle to make the triangle square, there will be a bump from the seam that can affect the size of your overall unit. This is frequently the reason why units end up being too small. You lose a fraction of your fabric to the bump in the seam. Using a scant seam allowance will help with that. When making triangle squares, the distance you sew away from the marked diagonal lines should be just a little bit narrower, think a few threads, than a quarter inch. This scant quarter inch seam allowance will give you the extra few threads you need to get precise triangle squares after you've pressed. We recommend you still check your size and, if necessary, square up your block, but it's a good start. So those are my main tips, but here's one more little bonus tip, and that's to practice, practice, practice. I feel like a broken record, but <laughs> it really is important. After one of my first projects with triangle squares, I was frustrated that they didn't line up quite like I wanted, so I decided I was going to get better at them. I found a project with a bunch of triangle squares, emptied out my scrap bin, and got to work making triangle square after triangle square. The first few were rough, but I got much more accurate as I went, and I even had a few where I was like, those are perfect! And Nothing feels quite as good as getting some piecing just perfect. So once you get in the groove, you'll improve. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Joanna. And we have some extra resources for making triangle squares that we'll link to in the show notes. Next, I have a very fun announcement to share with everyone. Our next American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along starts on February 17th. The pattern is called Get Together by Diane Tomlinson. The quilt is a throw-size quilt and showcases scraps of all colors. The quilt has nine patch blocks, square and a square blocks, and flying geese units put together in a very interesting design. 
it also uses both pieced elements and foundation pieced elements. Now we know that foundation piecing scares some people, but don't worry, we'll have alternate instructions if you're not ready to dive in just yet. But if you are, we'll offer plenty of resources to help you along the way. The pattern is available in the April 2020 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting, which is on newsstands now. You can also buy the pattern as a PDF download or as a printed pattern that we ship to you at apqshop.com. The quilt along runs for 10 weeks and it's going to be so fun. As part of the quilt along, we have a private Facebook group that you'll have access to where you can ask questions and share pictures of your progress. We'll also be sharing extra tips, tricks, videos, and special bonuses on our website and in the Facebook group. So there are a lot of fun things planned. We were also super excited this quilt along to partner with Electric Quilt to offer this project in their EQ8 software. So this makes it really easy to choose your fabrics and color designs before you get started. So we'll have links in the show notes for all the details of this pattern and the quilt along. And we also have a bonus code to get 20% off a purchase of EQ8 in the links too if you don't already have it. So we really hope you join us in this quilt along. It is always such a fun time and this quilt is really a stunner. In honor of Valentine's Day, I wanted to share a cute little poem that I think quilters will get a kick out of. It's called The Sewing Machine by Thomas C. Coward. Thomas was born 1817 in England and then immigrated to Canada when he was a young man. He was a tinsmith by trade and eventually operated a tin and sheet iron shop plus a hardware store. Fun fact, he was friends with Alexander Graham Bell and his company was hired to help produce new prototypes for the telephone. Over his life, he also published over 300 poems in the newspaper about everything from religion to the Prince of Wales to the sewing machine, and I'm going to read that poem today. I sing the sewing machine, the blessings it brings to the fair, some of those blessings I've seen, and therefore its praises declare. Tis a curious thing, of which I now sing, and poets have sung it before me. But if the theme's good, twill be well understood, I'm right in prolonging the story. Well-finished sewing machine, whose form is so graceful and neat, thou of inventions art queen, and to look at thy work is a treat. Each nice burnished wheel with the plate of pure steel, thy gold-bedecked arms and the gauges, all speak of the skill which the genius at will puts forth in the work that he wages. Wonderful sewing machine, no visions of gloom and despair, float over my mind serene as I thy performance compare to the old-fashioned stitch, the dread sorrows which, accompanied work by the fingers, of those forced to sew, missed a life full of woe, with pity my soul on it lingers. Excellent sewing machine, thy musical click-a-click-click, removes far away the spleen from those who are toiling are sick. Thy tasks speed along while the fair ones in song give vent to their feelings of gladness. How different I ween from the sight often seen by hood with a heart full of sadness. 
dutiful sewing machine, now cheerfully stitching away, neatly and quickly as seen in the things by my wife made today. Enraptured am I, for no heart-bursting sigh, escapes from the dear operator, but a smile of delight is now always in sight of happiness' sweet indicator. Beautiful sewing machine, how thankful am I to the man, through many years who has been thus carefully forming thy plan. May smiles from the fair, rid of much toil and care, shine on him in moments of anguish. May their tender hands to obey his commands be ready should he in life languish. I'll link to that poem in our show notes if you want to read it again. Before we leave today, I need your help. We're doing a survey about our podcast and want to know more about you. Tell us what you love about the podcast and about your quilting hobby. Your answers will be used to make our podcast even better. As a thank you, one respondent will receive a $250 Visa gift card. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast survey 2020 to take this short survey today. We'll also link to the survey in the show notes. A few minutes of your time will really help us give more of what you love on future shows. Hi all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thank you.